Welcome to the Jay and Pav podcast experience. Please grab a coffee, set down your marking, and embark on this playful, fun, yet genuine listening experience on education. Listening to Che Cheney and Pav Wanda, also known as Jim Guy and Wonder Woman. Welcome to the staff room, a half hour to engage in some meaningful conversation about some of the topics we think are pertinent and relevant to our day to day teaching experience. The Staff Room Podcast episodes are hosted by Voice Ed Radio Weekly on Tuesday mornings. And on Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern, we host The Drive, an educational morning radio show filled with great chatter and amazing music. Check out The Staff Room on the School Rubric website, where our origin story and weekly articles are posted, and our podcast can also be heard. We are also on the On Podcast Media Network and are connected to an amazing group of educators who have come together to form the Education Never Dies team. You can find us all on Twitter. Check out our link tree on our Twitter handle, at Staff Podcast, for more information about us. So let's dive right in to episode 42 of the Staff Room Podcast. We are talking today about the power of the book study. You know, we use novel studies in our classroom all the time, but now that it's the summertime and we're thinking about sort of how to prepare for the new school year, Che and I have been talking a little bit more about book studies. And so this is something that we are going to discuss today and bring in a little bit of experience to the table. But before we delve right into that conversation, we're going to start by introducing ourselves, which is something that we normally do with the Staff Room Podcast. So I am Pav. Sometimes I go by Wander Woman. I am at Pav Wander on Twitter. And my co-host is here with me. And he usually introduces himself. Hot time, summer in the city. Na 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 na. I should know the next lyric, but you want to know why I don't know the next lyric is because that's the only part of the song they play during uh, Die Hard Three. Okay. <laughs> oh, so this is a Die Hard reference. This well, is nothing it's, else. It's, it, it, that's how I knew the song was. Okay. The song came on the start of Die Hard. I'm 3. sure that most people listening also only know it from Die Hard. Of There's course. some dieharders out there. They're like, pardon me, you don't even know the next... I should know the next lyric, but not confidently enough when unrehearsed to give it to you right away. So yeah. I'll just stick with that. No, I like it. I like it. I like that you didn't look it up. You didn't Google it. You just went with it because you knew it was going to make me laugh. Well, I didn't know it was going to make you laugh. There's a high probability because I'm, you know, I'm a funny guy, eh? Well, that and I laugh at everything you say. Shh. Okay. 
We are excited. No, hold on. We're really excited <laughs> to talk. You know, that has always been one of my, you know, being a teacher and watching guest presenters come to, uh, when they talk to students is that when you say you're excited to be here, that's like the, it's like the go-to statement, but your body language and your facial expressions got to match the statement you're making. I'm really excited to be here. Doesn't look like you're excited to be here. Uh, the, the hurricane, I'm excited to be here. Yes. Uh, I'm fired up. Yeah, me too. A morning of doing the the drive. Right. And we were doing um, block party mm-hmm. theme this morning. So we are pumped up. I've had, you know, the scoop of pre-workout, which allows me to record for multiple hours <laughs> all day long. You know, I don't know that pre-workout has that on the back of, you know... You'll be able to do a full hour workout at high intensity for about 35 minutes. And you'll also be able to record two hours of the drive followed by another hour of the Staff Room podcast. That's written on the back of the pre-workout that you buy. Yeah, pre-workout is is solely, its sole purpose is for recording uh, podcasts. (laughs) And then secondary, if you're not going to record a podcast, why don't you you work out? Why don't you lift some weights or something like that? You got to burn this energy off somehow. So Friday is always our busy day for for recording. And we've had a busy week despite it being our first week off. And the inspiration for our episode today was just the enthralling experience that we had yes the culminating experience we had yesterday with our or at least my my first ever book study with a group of other teachers yes to to and then end up talking and i'll let let you give up the names and the author in a second but we end up talking to the the author of the story and and the the rich learning the inspiration don't challenge me to be a better teacher inspire me to be a better teacher i walked away from that conversation yesterday and the notes of sketch notes not good sketch notes but the notes of my sketch notes inspired to teach and i just we just said what are we gonna talk about today we're talking about this book study we just did because i am fired up i really am excited to get back into the room maybe it's remotely but i'm fired up to 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 improve my teaching practice from the learning I've done from this, the book we've read and the conversation we had afterward. <laughs> yes, you know, book studies, I've, I've been a part of book studies in the past, but they have been, you know, the traditional in-person, a couple of people, you read a few chapters at a time, and then you talk about what you, what you learned. But for some reason, I don't know if it was the book itself the the group of people that were involved possibly the way that we were engaged in this in this book study um it was extremely dynamic and che is absolutely right it was um we walked away with so much learning and so much information so uh the book that we studied was from the ashes and uh the author is jesse thistle and um, actually, uh, somebody that we came across on Twitter, a friend of ours, uh, Natalie uh, Vardabasso, and she, she set this up for us, and she's out in Calgary, and uh, invited us because we were showing some interest with their book club, and uh, they said, well, come join us. So we read the book, and we participated in this book study with the author, Jesse Thistle, who is uh, now a York University professor, and... Uh, and the dialogue, and we talked for two, I think it was two hours we were in this book study, and we were talking about all the different themes that we learned in the book, you know, specific things that we talked about. We even talked about things like, uh, you know, I listened to the book versus somebody else who read the book, and we talked about the difference 
between listening to the book and reading the book. There were so many different themes that were discussed and it was extremely enlightening and very enriching and so valuable, probably the most valuable book study or book talk that I have been involved in ever. For me, for me, it was, it's, it was the first time I've been involved in a book study. And you think of your, your personal driven professional development and you're thinking, how do I drive my own learning? I've always been comfortable listening to a lot of podcasts, listening to iTunes University courses. But when this invitation to come up to a book study, I said, I've, even in, I think of our school culture, it's never even been a part of our school culture. Like I've, I don't, as much as I can say vulnerably, I've never been a part of it. I'll take the blame. I've never sought this after. I've also never been invited. No one's ever even brought this to my attention that this was a thing. The teachers in the summer could sit back, and I've been teaching 20 years, and I've never had an invite. I've never even got the inkling that teachers would sit down over the summer, share a book, have dialogue, meet with the author, and have such rich learning. And it's a good reminder for me, 20 years in, I'm still ready to learn, and I, there's still things that, that are available to me that I'm unaware of. And this book study, I, I feel like I'm, I'm like a little child. I'm so excited by it. I'm like, what's the book we're doing next? What are we doing next? What are we doing next? Because it's 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 so strange that I had no idea this was out there. I should know it's out there, but I didn't know it was out there. But then I fully engaged in the opportunity, and I'm just... Like, I am just like, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) This is why Che has never been invited to a book talk before. Usually. So, so, okay. So the idea of a book talk is obviously nothing new. We know that book talks exist. Book clubs exist. Um, I think that there's always been a little bit of a stigma with book talks in that it's usually a, a female thing. Um, and it's usually, you know, very casual, talk that surface level and that's that stereotype that I'm not saying at all that that's true um, I think another thing that people misrepresent book talks as it's too much work I can't keep up with it and you know what I'm not gonna lie it's not it's not easy because you have to make time to read it's not casual reading you have a timeline you have to be finished by um, something that I've done to make it a little bit easier for myself is I listen to the book rather than Uh, rather than reading the book so that I have a little bit more time to do it and I can listen to the book while I'm doing something else like going for a walk or a run or something like that. So it makes it a little bit easier. But yes, um, you know, there there are some book talks that you can have that are a little bit less engaging. And then there are some times when you when you are with the right people, the right book, the right themes. Like I have to mention that this book that we read is extremely relevant to things that are happening in the news right now. And, uh, you know, it's it's uh, the the themes of equity, intergenerational trauma, um, you know, race. These are things that are prevalent in the news and very current. And, um, you know, it, it kind of pushes you and propels you a little bit. Uh, further to engage in that dialogue a little bit more and you want to bring that learning to yourself regardless of where it's coming from and so I think that people are a little bit more excited to engage on those types of uh, on those levels more so right now but um, I, I found it to be so enlightening to be able to hear other people's perspectives and, and so I think for me, that was the biggest thing that I took away is I will read it with a particular lens and there will be things that I miss completely 
which was uh, which was very enriching for me. I think the the takeaways that was powerful for me is that I take some takeaways, but I still doubt whether my takeaways are legit. Are they going to be held by the masses? Are people going to agree with them? You still sort of sit there internally thinking, these are my takeaways, but what's the value of my takeaways? And when you sit with six or seven or eight, and we had a group yesterday about 12 other teachers, and you hear their takeaways, you're jotting the notes down, you're like, your takeaways are similar to mine, they're slightly different than mine, but it validates that the takeaways are relevant, and you're and you're more confident to bring this into my classroom. I'm not sitting in a silo by myself, that my takeaways from this story are are resonating and and other people are having the same takeaways it gives me the confidence to go back in my school and say this is a this is a book we should read these are themes we should talk about these are how i'm going to impact my teaching and we know teaching regardless of how confident you are it means something when you're not the only voice Mm -hmm. it's tough to be the only voice and we had this really rich conversation about the takeaways from this book and the sort of erasurism of, in, in, in this particular book, uh, indigenous voice and connection to land. And you didn't you meant reference it specifically, the story of love. And it wasn't necessarily a love story. It was, it was a love of creator, love of self, and the appreciation that we need to, no matter how hard the story might be, there's still that theme of love within the story. And that resonated deeply. But I don't know if I would be confident enough necessarily to bring it back into my teaching until I had it that, to talk with my peers, to validate it with my peers, to listen to my peers. And in this particular case, not even peers I, I know. These are just people, just, these are people we've met on Twitter that we haven't had a face-to-face. The face-to-face we had was Google or Zoom or Microsoft Meets. Um, it was just an enriching experience. But I tell the value, in, as I was jotting my notes down, was to hear other teachers have similar takeaways because it validated that my takeaways were legit and as a teacher, I, I, it makes me more comfortable to push forward, propel myself forward when, when I know that I'm not solely on an island. And that's not always the best reason. Like, it's sometimes you, you, you have to trust yourself. But it is, it's, let's, be, let's be honest, it's tough to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. You do need that validation. You need to have that rich conversation with people to, 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 to remind yourself you're on the right path, you're on the right journey. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because if you were to teach a book before you did a book talk with other t- educators on that book, and then you did the book talk after. So you, you taught the book to your class, let's say, for example, and then you do a book talk and then you teach that book again. Guaranteed, the second time, you will do a much better job of it. And I think it's because of all of the different... Um, perspectives that other people bring to the learning of that book. I read that book and I picked up on that theme of love. I, you know, I, I noticed that there's a lot of love in this book and this is not what you would see this, not this book would not be showing up under, you know, romance novels or anything like that. Um, but it was, it was nice to hear that somebody else also felt that I never brought that up in the conversation that I thought it was a love story. But because I knew, you know, my, my perspective was that this is not a love story. I knew that this is not a love story, but I was too um, scared, I guess, to bring up the fact that I thought it was a love story until somebody else brought it up. And then you can see me nodding in the back like, yes, yes, this is a love story. I'm so glad that you thought so too. So just as you said, it validates how I feel. But at the same time, There were so many things that I didn't pick up on because I didn't have the schema. I didn't have the background knowledge to really know that, um, you know, language plays such a huge role 
in indigenous culture. And, and this is something that you think you know on the surface, but the depth that um, other people can speak to a particular aspect of a book is something that it's like, that's where the learning really comes in. That's where it's like, oh, I didn't realize that. And I value the, the information that you bring to me because I wouldn't have known this if we didn't talk about it. And then you can bring that back to your classroom. And then you can bring that knowledge and that learning back to your students so that they are also aware of something that they wouldn't have known either. And so there's the value for me as a teacher to bring it back to my, my students in the classroom to say, these are things that I didn't even know. And I learned. I'll piggyback on that in the sense that I I didn't really pick up on the love theme. I sort of sensed it was there, but certainly no confidence to, to speak up on it. And you're right. When other people brought it up, I said, oh, okay, my, my thoughts were right, but I never would have incorporated the story or that theme back to my class or back to my teaching right. unless I had had that validation because it was just sitting in my mind and I doubted whether I really read that right or that was being absorbed right. And when other teachers said, oh, this is a love story, you know, despite uh, these issues and that issue and this, this underneath it, this is a story of love and not necessarily, as we talked about further, the traditional love story is a love of self, a love of creator, love of space, love mm-hmm. of language. It would, the, I needed the the conversation with my peer to solidify the learning, and that was that was powerful for me. Yes, agreed. Um, you know, let's bring the conversation back, but I think now might be a good time for us to you know delve into our three enlightened minutes. What do you think? I think it's great because it's the summer. So as much as we've been talking about the summer shorts, let's bring our episodes that have been exploding to like 45, 47, <laughs> 55 minutes. We keep telling ourselves the audience don't want to listen to us for fifty five minutes. Let's get some summer shorts. We've touched really nicely on this topic, and we want to get sort of our swag bag, our takeaway afterwards. But this is a perfect segue to our Three Enlightenments guest because I'll let you introduce her, but she's the one that facilitated this entire group. That's right. So Natalie Vardabasso is a instructional designer in Calgary, Alberta, and she set up the meeting with us yesterday and invited us to participate. And uh, we're very thankful for her to, uh, to invite us. And she's done a three enlightened minutes with us. And she's going to be talking about assessment as a powerful tool for building culture in your school. So here is Natalie with her three enlightened minutes. Hi, my name is Natalie Vardabasso, and these are my three enlightened minutes. I am currently an instructional designer at a special education private school in Calgary, Alberta, and I've recently become a little obsessed with all things assessment, specifically how assessment is a powerful tool to build a culture of learning. So if you told me seven years ago when I first started teaching that this would become my favorite topic, I wouldn't have believed you. In fact, assessment was the very reason that I did not want to become a teacher, and I was very reluctant to get into this career. Tests and grading had an extremely negative impact on me. That has lasted even until today, and I'm still trying to unlearn. So needless to say, when the opportunity came up in my context to lead the charge to rethink assessment, I was a very willing champion. So the end goal was to design a framework that would promote coherence in our approach to assessment, yet would still be flexible enough to meet the needs of students in kindergarten through grade 12. So I want to share with you today a few things that I learned throughout this process. First, any discussion about the quality of assessment has to include the emotional impact that it has on students. 
Though we need to evaluate student learning to make instructional decisions, the decisions that students make as a result of that evaluation are the most important ones. The most damaging result for any assessment is for a student to decide to quit trying. Assessment needs to instill hope and motivation to learn. One of the biggest ways that we can do this is to begin to shift our definition of assessment from a noun to a verb, meaning that we need to move away from thinking of assessments as isolated events, either big or little, to assessment as a practice of interconnected actions. For assessment practice to be truly high quality, it usually follows a process that we can recall by thinking of five guiding principles, namely that high quality assessment is purposeful, understandable, accurate, informative, and ultimately empowering. We are purposeful when we intentionally design learning progressions in advance of instruction to ensure students experience continuous growth towards eventual outcomes. When we make this assessment path transparent to students so they know what they're learning and how it relates to the overall goal, we allow students to better understand our purpose. Now, to make sure that we keep heading in the same direction, it's important that we align our interpretations of success. Accuracy happens when our interpretations are consistent. This consistency allows us to collaborate and make informed decisions together through feedback conversations. When we approach assessment as this interconnected process, students feel that we are partners in their learning and feel motivated and empowered to keep trying. So we're just starting our learning journey as educators to practice this verb of assessment in my context. And one of our key next steps is to reimagine progress reporting to support thinking and acting with this more outcomes-based mindset. I feel the need to add that this work is definitely not for the faint of heart as everybody has an emotionally charged experience with assessment. Our biggest barrier and opportunity right now is to bring parents on board for this journey. This means inviting them to question a system that they grew up in. This is daunting, and this is a vulnerable ask, and we're definitely not taking it lightly, but we are confident that when they see the results of our assessment framework in action with, through the success of their kids, they will become our greatest champions. Now, back to you, Shay and Pav. Hot town, summer in the city, back of my neck getting dirty and gritty. <laughs> Is that the next line? That's my karaoke. <laughs> Is that really the next line? Did you Google it? Yeah, I had to Google it now that I butchered it the first time through. I know, think it sounded better with na 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 I was confident. Now I'm like, uh, let me read this lyric properly. The and back of my neck getting gritty? Like, what? I prefer the na na nas. I try it, eh? Like, I just, I just want to be more, you know, I wanted to appreciate the true lyrics of the song, although... <laughs> Sometimes it's the memory of the song and whether I get it right or wrong, which reminds me of a Seal lyric. A not seal. the lyric, Seal, in his okay, album. Yes. He didn't put the lyrics of his song. And he said, it's not important yeah. what I said the lyrics are. What's important is what you think you heard. Oh, I've never heard it being presented that yeah, way. Yeah, so Seal in his, I think it's Human Beings album. I guess we could stop and record and edit and check this out. But I believe it's Seal his Human Beings album, he didn't put his lyrics in, and that was the justification. It's not about what I think I'm saying. It's about what you heard. So whatever you heard is what resonates, and that's what's important. So he wouldn't tell, he didn't include his lyrics in the album. It's like with my kids when, when I tell them it's not Transformers robots in the skies. It's robots in disguise. Right? It's like the same thing. And they're like, no, Mom, you're crazy. It's robots in the skies. No, it's not. 
I'm not even jumping in on this. You're like shattering some of my childhood memories right now. Don't tell me that. That's not what it is. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Robots in the sky. Yes. Disguise? Disguise. Don't. Robots in disguise. Don't. Don't. Okay. Okay, go ahead. We were talking about... I can handle it now. I'm 45 years old. I can handle the trauma of being told that the Transformers song is not what I thought it was. Did you think it was in the skies? Yep. 100%. (laughs) Like, not until now. I knew it wasn't at this point in my time in life, but I certainly did back in my youth. Did you really? I thought it was just a My Kids thing. Nope. (laughs) Thanks for shattering their dreams at a young age. They They need to know. You could have just let them discover that when they were 25. Oh, I was wrong. Self-discovery is sometimes better. But you, you took care of that. I'm sure I'm sure that was wonderful. Yeah, I'm sure they'll remind me in the future. But you know what? It's okay. I'm saving them lots of trauma in the future. Let's get back to Natalie's three enlightenments talking about assessment, which was so key. That's and great. that's probably the way we connected on um, Twitter was her rich dialogue and conversation on a educational chat. No, we sort of connected beforehand, but that was where, sort of where you could just see her passion and her expertise. Not that you couldn't see it at other places, but it, it was mm-hmm. resonating then. And I pretty sure we reached out and said we'd love to hear more about this let's get you involved with you know our little podcast so great segment it was a great conversation back then when we were talking about assessment certainly remote learning has put assessment right back onto the forefront of its value how we should do it and and this contribution as an assessment piece is great and it's also great connections um she was such a great she was who brought us into this book dialogue this yes. book conversation or we would have been you know wouldn't have had this episode 42 yeah, exactly. And so we're very thankful for that connection, that relationship that we were able to build. Um, you know, this professional learning community has really opened up a lot of doors for us. And 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 we wouldn't have been in this book talk and we wouldn't been, be doing this this particular episode. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about about what we took away from the the book talk yesterday. And there's so much that we can take from what we did into our classrooms. I know in the past I've done novel studies in my room in this particular way. I love to break up my class into small groups. And then, you know, as a teacher, you, you sort of, especially in middle school, you sort of have to guide your students and give them, okay, like let's break down the chapters into chunks so that it's not overwhelming. We can't read at our own pace because we're going to be going far too slow for some of us and some of us will be done the book in in two days but if you give a particular deadline and you say okay let's all try and have the book read by this time and then we can facilitate a discussion um I think it's it's highly valuable and it's really great learning for the students because they're going to be able to take away many of the same things that you and I took away from yesterday's book talk. Yeah, it's it's swag bag time, swag bag time when you go to a conference. You know, don't leave the conference out with some goodies. No, of course not. These are some goodies. Is the connection with educators? I think the real value in our experience was connecting with educators and. Uh, across the globe like it's Mm -hmm. not just the teachers in your room in your space there was such value in connecting with educators that you sort of knew via twitter didn't have the face-to-face that is such a rich and, and impactful practice for you as a teacher we know the the educators in our building really well everyone really well or relatively well it's so invigorating to start to branch out and communicate and meet new people and interact with new people so one of those swag bags is such a great way to connect with other educators and education is always very similar but your lens is always you're open up to new lenses when you hear people that are in different areas different perspectives different communities they're teaching in 
And that's so rich to your own teaching practice. And so connection with educators with a big swag bag. Something that we can't always do, but we can always try to do, especially in this remote world, is connecting with the author. I think it's a lot easier um, to connect with the author through Zoom meetings or Google Meets or Microsoft Teams now, especially that we have this connection. Everybody is going to be set up with a microphone, especially if you're an author, you're going to have people reaching out to you all the time. Um, book a time in with the author and have a meeting. If you have a book study, try and get that author on board with you. Reach out to them on Twitter or on their website or however and say, you know, we, do, we have this group and we've been studying your book and we'd love to have you come in on, on a talk so that we can talk about what we took away from your book and hear your perspective. When you were writing this, did you think that you were writing a love story? You know, when you wrote about this, did you consider this perspective? Or just to know what the writing process is like. I mean, we learned a lot yesterday just about how how you would write a memoir. And uh, so that was very eye-opening and how, how much work goes into it. Even things like how do you record your own, like if you were going to do your own audiobook and read your own audiobook uh, to put out there, how does that process work? It's so valuable to connect with the author, yeah. just enrich the learning experience. And then I would tap into that with the swag bag was, although I didn't make the the pre-chat because my computer was acting up, but you joined a bunch of the teachers beforehand to, yes. to just chat beforehand. And then we stayed online afterwards to just to solidify a that learning, debrief, yeah. it, which was so impactful. So absolutely in regards to that swag bag, reach out to connect with the author. It's so valuable. You get such great insights. And again, it just validates your learning, your understanding and brings new insights to the book. And they want to. The author wants to talk to people who are reading the book because they want to be able to engage with them. If I'm writing a piece of work, I'd love to have somebody tell me what they took away and ask me questions about, you know, what I was thinking when I was writing the book and, you know, am I, or even to validate some of the things that they took away from the book to say, is this what you, is this what you meant when you wrote this? Um, I think that that's very, it's flattering, but it's also, it's a feedback that you are getting from your audience as well. And that's valuable. And the last takeaway, which is always the most important takeaway, which is often in any conversation, I like to start here rather than everyone else tell me all the steps beforehand. Is my teaching and practice improved? Am I delivering good, good quality teaching? And my teaching practice is improved just by the insights gained from the book. Mm -hmm. but also from the conversation afterwards in this particular regards in regards to the 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 erasureism that our language inherently creates even in its subtleties was such a powerful takeaway um that was really rich for me and the uh, the concept of erasureism which was a concept i knew and it's sort of been grown upon me recently. But then to have the story and the author just validate what erasureism really is doing and what our language is really doing, that it's not so much always just taking other races and cultures and making it our own. We're actually erasing other people's story by telling our story, even if it's the same thing, which was that the concept of our teaching is our teaching will better get better when we go back to our roots. Mm -hmm. But our roots aren't necessarily these Eurocentric roots. It was really powerful. And so when it came time to question the author, I didn't have a question because everyone had used and asked these questions, but I said, I don't got a question for you, but what I do have is a testimony that I already know my teaching practice is going to be improved. I'm going to have a better lens, a more vigilant lens on what I want to do in my room because of this conversation here. And so if your practice is improved, 
that's a, a good thing to engage in. And my teaching practice is going to be improved from the dialogue, from the insights. Um, but also in the way that you teach a book. Because why wouldn't you want your students to also engage in more conversation to talk about what they have learned from the books that they are reading? So it's not it's not about just taking away from the book the content that you've learned from the book and the themes that you've learned from the book, but also, you know, the different ways that you can teach a book to your class, you know, and involving your students in a book study with each other rather than you being the lead in the classroom and you just being the facilitator or just active listening with that group, that's a great way to teach a book. And it's a great way to have students really engage in something that they are interested in, but it also gives them the ownership to take away their learning from the book themselves. And you just there as a facilitator. Relevancy is key. This Absolutely. book was very relevant. Themes were very relevant. And you can't just take for granted the books you want to, to study or, or dabble into. You mm -hmm. really have to be specific and intentional. And so for me, as a teacher and a teaching practice, this is a practice that I'm really excited about and really want to continue to engage. Um, I don't know why I'd never heard of it before. Yeah. Or, like It's never come across in, in our school, but so many teachers via the Twitter, the PLN, this seems to be a thing where people engage in these novel studies. And I, I, I guess I have to thank Twitter and the expansion of, you know, to go off theme. This is the power of podcasting is that podcasting has connected us with Twitter, that has connected us with these other styles of learning. Yeah. And this has made me a better teacher. Yes. And that's and that's what matters. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are a lot of schools, actually, where they will engage in book talks and book clubs um, where everybody as as professional development will read a particular book together as a staff. And I think that's a very valuable practice. And, and you know, I think that maybe this is something that we can take to our schools as well and and try it and let's see what happens. You're you're so right on that. Not only would be a better teacher, but now I have something to bring to our school as yes. a PD session. Right. Why, why don't we do this? Let's try this. Let's pick a relevant book because I can now attest to how inspired I was, how much better my teaching practice is mm -hmm. going to be with my new, fresh, invigorated lenses. Yeah, exactly. What do you think, Che? I think that we've done a great job with uh, the summer shorts version of our, of our podcast. It's still going to be 40 minutes and people are going to be, remember when episode two was 18 minutes long? <laughs> yes. We just have so much more to talk about now. We're also much more comfortable yes, talking true. now. Exactly. So um, I think this was a great episode and we did a lot of great um, conversation. We had some great conversation between the two of us about, you know, our own reflections of our book chat yesterday. And hopefully it's something that that uh, you all will try if you have not already. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so. really like, there's not much more I can add. Like I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the next book chat. So if you're listening, reach out, let's, let's, and you know what? There's lots of people that have, now that I think about it, like and I reflect on it, uh, one of our great PLN on the Twitter, Chris, always runs some book chats yes. and then expands to documentary chats. Right. And we were sort of stuck, not able to, to yet, but the summer provided us the opportunity. But I, I will be, now that I know the real value and real impact of them, I'll, I'll, I'll put it up on the important scale. Yes. Not that I had made it unimportant, but it was so busy. Am I willing to try this the first time? But now that I've engaged in it the first time and seen such value, it's just going to make it a little bit more, I don't want to even say easier to say yes. Saying yes is easy. Uh, but easier for us to be able to fully engage. To commit to the time because you see the yeah. impacts. That's right. So so should I sing us out? or um, uh, I'd like you to sing us out. Let, yes, me, let, me, let, Google, me, let me Google some lyrics. Google some seal lyrics. Seal lyrics. <laughs> or how about some uh, Transformers? Oh sing me the theme song to that. 
robots in the skies. (laughs) All right, everybody, please remember to inspire, don't require. Always be a humble servant. And education never Never dies. dies. You've been listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav. Written, performed and produced by Che Cheney and Pav Wanda in association with School Rubric, an online magazine and website designed for international and global educators. You can stay connected with Che and Pav by visiting their Twitter and Instagram pages. And also, check out their articles related to each episode on the School Rubric webpage. All links are provided in the episode write-up. The podcast is recorded weekly at their in-class studio and performed in front of a live studio audience. Be sure to join Che and Pav next week, because there's always something to talk about in the staff room.